the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Just come on in, just get, give a nice little high five and maybe like a little fist boom, a boom to that uh, the subscribe, the like, because if you subscribe, then you can come join us in the chat. And if you come join us in the chat, then you can join Kyle, Chase, Chris, and more who already have questions in that we are going to answer here in this mailbag episode. That's right, because here in 2023, we are upgrading. This is a live interaction mailbag. You can get a question in by leaving us a five-star review and put that review, it put the question in the review. We'll add it to the big old bag of mail, tackle it in a future mailbag episode. But if you want to come hang out and watch live, if you want to come in even before the show starts and drop your question in the chat, it will get our attention and we might be able to get to it in the time that we have today. Uh, before we get out of here, we are going to talk about that. Yes, that New York Times op-ed from Jack Swarbrick and Father John Jenkins from Notre Dame as uh, you know, they want to talk about the future of college athletics. Pairs nicely with a fine Chianti and a question about federal NIL laws that did come in from the five-star mailbag. Also, the American Athletic Conference after conference realignment. What do we expect in 2023? And as you can see from the headline here on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, uh, any chance that Graham Mertz-led Florida Gators are going to have a better offense than Jordan Travis and the Knowles. We will get to that and much more, but let's start with some fun ones here right off the bat from Kyle. He jumped in the chat early. He had a question. Are the 2023 Michigan Wolverines a legitimate national title contender? Yeah. Yes. They've made the playoff two years in a row. Oh, above in the mute button. A tradition <laughs> unlike any other. <laughs> I, I see. I, I got the sneeze, and 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 I, I was doing the right thing, hit, hit, hitting the hitting the sneeze button, the call button. All right. How do you define it? Right? Like, is that any team that we could see? Just if everything goes right, or if just a lot of things go right, they could win it. Certainly. Like, I yeah, I, I think that Michigan recruits a high enough quality of player that if things go right, and I would say that is like some of the new coaching stuff continues to work out, and JJ McCarthy takes a step forward in terms of reading defenses, delivering the ball more on time, then yeah, they could absolutely do it for sure. I mean, it's not like there's any team out there that has just certainty at every spot. And Michigan is a really good team. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're the fifth best title odds right now. Um, we could, I mean, last year, congrats to TCU. They beat them, but Michigan had a, a an awful start to that game. Yeah. And almost still came back and you can make an argument they should have won. They would have been a better matchup, and it's easy to say that now. Uh, and maybe they wouldn't have been a better matchup um, because I, would have we been saw closer. that matchup I, two yeah, years ago. Closer. Yeah, I, I don't think, think Georgia would have sweat too much, but I think it would have been closer, yeah. Right. So, I mean, but we saw them get smoked in the Orange Bowl two years mm -hmm. ago too, but I think they were a better team last year. But I think they're going to continue to get better. I think McCarthy is going to continue to get better. I think, you know, they're going to gain more confidence, and, you know, it's – They've owned Ohio State the last two years, and there's a chance you could get two in again. You know, there's, that's always an option that's on the table. And getting there's half the battle. Like one one game scenario, what if Georgia has their bad game? You know, which doesn't seem like they have on the big stage, but 
it's always a possibility. So I say, yeah, it's it's, it's on the table. Do you have that odds board in front of you right now? Because I was thinking that the difference between are you a legitimate national title contender and am I picking you to win the national championship are two different conversations because the right off the top of my head, I came up with four teams that I would pick to win the national championship before I would get to Michigan. If we were doing a pick for a national championship, a draft for national championship contenders, and I had the fifth pick and Georgia was gone and Ohio state was gone and Alabama was gone and USC was gone. Then Michigan would be next in line. So to me, are you a contender? Yes, I'm, I just have other teams that I would pick to not only make the playoff, but win the two games in the playoff before I get to Michigan. So you would take USC over Michigan for, for the playoff odds? For variance purposes, yes. Okay. I think that Yeah, Caleb, the upside with Caleb. Yeah. Sure. Caleb Williams, higher ceiling. Um, and and you are like that is a USC is the everything has to come together perfectly scenario, even just getting out of the Pac 12, without a doubt. But um, just, a, sure. just sort of my personal thought there. Go ahead, Tom. Long-standing principle, period. Never bet a Michigan future on anything. You never get proper odds for Michigan because the fan base is so huge and they all bet that you're never going to get actual market value on Michigan doing anything. So, like, even when Michigan is not a national title contender, you're only getting, like, eight to one on them. So when we do that, that, that title contender draft, right, first round is usually like, damn it, I can't believe you picked him. That's the team I really think is going to win it. Snake it around. Next couple picks, you're generally like, okay, if things go right, they could certainly t- take down the trophy, right? Next round is like, they need a lot of stuff to go right. And then fourth round is generally, okay, they need a lot of stuff to go right on their own team, and then they need a couple other key guys, probably within their own division or league, to get hurt, to allow them to, to get access. All right, let's uh, thank you, Kyle, for jumping in with the question. Uh, this next one, also from the chat, uh, KTK, question from the mailbag. The Alabama offense, can Jalen Milrow take the next step with Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator? I'm behind Ty Simpson in a pro-style offense, but can Jalen Milrow refine his craft and excel? Are we assuming the question's asking about this year or just ever? It's got to be for this year because the Nick Saban just said, right, so we talked obviously a lot about Nick Saban earlier in the week. Uh, Nick Saban has indicated that he feels really good about a lot of the positions around the quarterback. He seems like he is very interested in the development of the quarterback position because he feels good about everything else. And if they can get quality play at the quarterback position, I think he will feel confident. And reading between the lines, it seems like there's still work to be done there. Um, Uncertainty, sure, especially with the change at offensive coordinator. But he said, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow played in some critical game situations and came up with some big plays in critical game situations. He, This is from Saban. I'm paraphrasing. He said he did it a little bit differently than Bryce did, a.k.a. running the ball. That's uh, an understatement. Yeah, and then he said, <laughs> uh, you know, Ty Simpson, you know, we feel good about the development he made, but he didn't play in any critical game situations. So we haven't even seen what he looks like out there. So what do we expect from the development of that quarterback position? And I do think we have to go immediate future here because that's, what's most important. I think Ty Simpson's playing, you know, week one. I mean, I I don't think Tommy Reese has has shown a quarterback run heavy offensive tendency. They ran the backup last year. Some he did Uh, it with Buckner when Buckner was first coming along, Uh, kind of like as a change of pace behind like, I mean, What's his name? Ian Book ran a lot. Like the, he's had plenty of that run game with his QB. Is that what his preferred style is? I don't think so. I think he's done it when he's had to. So I think he can make it work with it. I just think that yeah, if if you get an honest answer from him of what his ideal quarterback looks like, Ty Simpson is probably closer to that ideal than Jalen Milrow. I mean, if you if you're Tommy Reese, you're coming into a system. What have they been top three, four in the country in mm-hmm. offense since Lane Kiffin took over? Like this is a, this is a seven or eight year run, right? It's been that long where they've had first round draft picks at quarterback and they've been just churning out offensive production like we haven't seen. I think if Milrose under center, you're going to see a return to the control, like totally different style. Now maybe that's where the game has changed, where. And it's at the NFL level too. We're seeing this with NFL teams were willing to just run their quarterback a ton. But 
that to me would be a completely different looking offense than what they've run over the last seven or eight years. And I think what Tommy Reese wants to run, you know, but I think it's going to be interesting. Do you play multiple quarterbacks in the first couple of games? We've talked a lot about that with other schools with competitions. And Michigan. that to me, when a coach says mm-hmm. we haven't seen him, you know, play much, like at least Monroe's taking those snaps. So he's probably at least, you know, the, the floor he's like, can, you know, but it wasn't great. But I think you want to see, because I've seen it happen all the time. Guys light it up in practice. They look awesome. They win a quarterback competition in scrimmages. And then when the season starts and the lights are on and the pressure's on, they look like a completely different person. So that's why I do think Saban is truly not worried. I mean, they're going to be fine, but he's like, I don't know. You know, I don't know what I'm getting. No one does. We did a video on this, by the way, like why coaches routinely pick the wrong quarterback coming out of of camp and and there are some really big time notable examples I mean, cam rising for instance right did not win the job based on whatever you're doing in practice and it's just hard to simulate game conditions of practice even when you you quote unquote turn it on and, and, and take the protective jersey off i don't know guys like i look milrow is certainly a really talented kid um i lean simpson but honestly i i I talked to some people there at Bama who think it'll be Simpson, but they don't say that with their chest. Mm. They they really think like, which I don't know. Does that mean that they think Milrow is improving and is better? Yes, has to. Or, no, or, or does it mean that Simpson is not the goods? I don't know. Like, but I think a lot of people are writing Simpson in ink, and and maybe they should be. But I I don't think the people I'm talking to are BSing for the purpose of like trying to keep Milrow from transferring after the spring, right? I mean, if you're Nick, do you actually name a starter coming out of spring? I I, I try to take this thing to fall camp just to you know maybe keep these kids on the roster. The, don't ever forget the uh, the legend of Cooper Batman, a.k.a. Cooper Bateman, and the days when Nick Saban would be having multiple starters until the Ole Miss game in like week four. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, it, until we hit that. Can't do that anymore, though, Chip. They yeah, make until- you play the big games right off the bat. Yeah, until we uh, until we started to hit a different scheduling philosophy from Alabama and the era of a Tua, of a Bryce Young, of a Mac Jones, we used to have Alabama dropping. Remember four oars on the Alabama depth chart? Like, there's there there is some precedent from that. We just have to go way back, uh, way back in the time machine to be able to uh, to get that. Do you remember the days where it's like you'd get all excited for the college football season to finally arrive and start, and then every game on Saturday would just be, you know, Alabama versus Southeast Louisiana State Technical Institute? Like, for four weeks, like, you'd be all excited, and then it'd be nothing but 63 to nothing games for a month before the real ones started. <laughs> hey, I'm a I'm appreciative, right? We, we, we get these bangers early on. All right, and this Kids one... these days don't know the struggle we went through. <laughs> um. If you were following the Cover 3 podcast on Twitter at Cover 3 Podcast, then every now and then there's an opportunity for you to, uh, you know, win a little something. Maybe it is something tangible or maybe it is intangible, like getting your question forwarded right to the front of the show. And that's exactly what we had right here. Uh, you got a question right on Twitter. You get a your question answered in the mailbag. It's a two-parter. Uh, the first one. Who wins a two-on-two pickup game to 21, Chip and Danny versus Tom and Bud? Did anybody play basketball in high school? All right. That doesn't – no, listen. I, I It's Chip and Danny all day, and it's because, yeah. we, it's because we know our roles, okay? At some point, Tom and Bud have to make a decision of who's going to go for it, okay? In the critical possession, in the got-to-have-it possession, there is no question. And I have always been great on a basketball team from the youth to the adult rec level of knowing my role and being able to understand spacing and being able to understand good cuts. If I'm open, I shoot it. I get a couple good looks at the rim. Listen, I'm just (laughs) telling you that when it comes time for that possession, there is no question. Danny and Chip, we know our roles. We know who's got to take that shot. This question is massively... We're our Tobacco Road roots, you know, with Chips yeah. North Carolina ties. I went to Carolina basketball school about five mm. years in a row, stayed at Granville Towers, went played at the Dean Dome. I actually was offered uh, a scholarship to Duke, 
uh, when Tommy Amaker came to our school and uh, called me out of class and had a little meeting. And then later I got a letter from Duke that said, we are no longer offering you that scholarship. I don't know if there was a mix up in names or what we happened. There. Your grades. You're not yeah. coming here. <laughs> Jay Billis is, got involved. That is, a, that is a true story, by the way. That is a true story. Uh, somehow there was a mix up. I did go to Duke basketball camp too, but I think we could take them. Uh, the only question is what would the matchups be? Like, was it, is it size? Like, cause I'm probably the tallest by a little bit over Bud. So is it Bud versus Danny and then Chip versus Tom? Because I could see Tom trying to back down Chip and the right. line just body him up. You know, like, but I think Chip is yes. hold up. Tom, how, how, how tall are you? I'm six two and a half. Okay, yeah. So Tom's a little bit taller than I am. No, no shoes. I'm six one and seven eighths. So like, we actually use me. I'll go stand. These kids that don't want to measure in at some of these camps and combines. I'll go stand next to them and pretend I'm like looking at something on my phone. And if they're six four, we know they're not really six four. You know, if they're shorter than me, right? Uh, so, you know, uh, I, sorry. I would just say, like, when you watched Duke Tennessee over the weekend, would you say Duke was the more talented team than Tennessee? I didn't watch it. Sorry. Oh no. uh, yeah, yeah. They had more physical gifts. I was gonna Tennessee. say, but Tennessee, Tennessee won. Bullied them. Beating the. Beating the poop out of him. I'm just saying, Bud and I might have a strategy. You might be catching a lot of elbows to the ribs and the face as me and Bud are just getting those rebounds. That's all. Yeah. If, if we if we take Chip out, it's two on one. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I I think they would. I mean, what do we play to twenty one? Yeah, so, ones and twos, swarm everything, havoc defense. I got I got these some I got some long arms that I can get in there, and start poking the ball out. I will dive on the floor. Tom has to carry this team. I, I am not I a good basketball player. I, I have never, I've never played competitive basketball. Like I played, you know, like a little bit of pickup, you know, high school type thing, neighborhood. But I, I'm not a good at hoops. Um, all right. Second part of the question is: Which teams who are normally mediocre could turn into title contenders? Uh, which teams? I guess this would be for the 2023 season or beyond. Which teams who are normally mediocre? could turn into a title contender with a Drake May or Caleb Williams. An example is Texas Tech, who with one of those could turn into a national title contender. Love the pod. It helps me through the dead season of college football. That's so a horrible, essentially, That's a horrible example, though. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, could yeah, can you imagine Texas you? Tech with like an all-time QB? Well, I don't great. know. <laughs> <laughs> if only they had like a Patrick imagine Mahomes that. type. Six and six. Uh, essentially, they're asking for this year's TCU, right? I mean, that's or like who's a quarterback? No, it, it's like it's it's kind of it's this it's a version of the what's the worst program Nick Saban could win a national title with type thing question, right? Like what mm -hmm. like what's the programs like what's the worst programs that you guys would actually draft in our playoff draft, which is sixteen teams, right? Like to to go to win the national title if you put Caleb Williams or Drake May on that team. Mm. You know who uh, this Iowa becomes a title contender if you put Drake, Caleb Williams or Drake May on that team. Wow. Yeah, agreed. Because that wow. defense is good enough to where, like, even if the offense is still stodgy and old school, you give them a quarterback who can make every throw in it, and that team is going to be really tough to beat. It's a lot of faith that that Brian Ferentz won't won't screw it up, but mm -hmm. I I think I mean they they do everything else really well. Um trying to think who else i'm just i'm just yeah. trying to think of like those good teams that aren't great because i think that's what you need um kansas state if you had a real difference maker at quarterback like they do everything else really well they just never have a guy who's who's a dude you know wisconsin penn state yeah yeah i, I mean wisconsin that was wisconsin russell wilson team was really freaking good mm -hmm. yeah Penn State's above mediocre, but I I, I agree with the yeah. sentiment that like if you you drop uh not USC, <laughs> man, if USC only had a Caleb Williams or a Drake May, they could really be a national title contender. Colorado, oh, just for the algorithm, sorry. Deion Sanders, Colorado. Deion Sanders, Colorado. Caleb Williams, Colorado. Deion Sanders. Mm. <laughs> um, I think too, like. It's it depends on the conference because I think if you put an elite quarterback on a couple like mid to good tier SEC teams, you can't really consider them title contenders because they still have to get out of the SEC. Mm. So like if you put Caleb Williams on Arkansas, is Arkansas suddenly winning the SEC West? I don't think so. I think that they're better, but I don't think they're winning the league. Auburn. Well, we saw not last year. 
Is Auburn good enough elsewhere that not yet, not yet. Cause we don't look at them as like an elite defense. We look I mean, at them as like a serviceable defense, not a weakness. Have they addressed the off. They got wide receiver pro like, so don't have a lot of like, like yeah. Auburn last Auburn last year to me was a couple like, like some dudes, but not a great team. You know what I mean? Like they had guys at spots, but they just didn't have enough of Notre Dame. But, they, but yeah. they're, they're going to go in the top 16 anyway. If we're, if we're looking for teams that are sort of that back half of the top 25, it you really just need to think about teams like Danny said, Wisconsin, right? Like teams that have a lot of physicality along the lines of scrimmage generally play a certain way. And then they are usually, a, they don't, they just never have a stud quarterback. Wisconsin's Baylor. a really good one. Baylor. Yeah. Actually, that's probably a pretty good one normally. Let me reframe this then a different way. Is there a G5 program? Maybe not a specific program, but if Caleb Williams or a Drake May or a QB of that caliber transfer to a G5 program, do you think they could win a national title? No. De like, look, here's the other point I wanted to make about this, and we have a video coming about about this. The G5 is getting worse. The best G5 teams keep getting drafted up to the P5. Like, Look at the G5 10. When did TCU join? 12, 14, yeah, yeah. 12 and 14. All right, so look at the G5 a decade ago versus what the G5 is now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think we're going to have very many of these G5 darlings because the, I mean, they're, they're 10 teams worse due to expansion than they used to be. And it's that I think it's the evol the natural evolution of it becoming like minor league baseball, like triple A, double A, single A. If you're a player that rakes in single A, you get plucked and you get pulled up to double A. If you're a triple A player that doesn't get a cut, you're going to get sent down to double A. I mean, that's essentially what you see happen when you see a player who's not getting playing time at Alabama or Georgia or pick your power five school. He's not good enough. He goes down to a lower tier and all of a sudden he can play. Like, I just think it's a natural evolution that's going to take place. If Caleb Williams had been on the undefeated UCF team, they, uh, Mick, Mackenzie Milton was perfect for that team. He balled. You know, like, in, yeah. I, are they that much better? I, maybe a little played bit. played for the title that year? Because, I mean, they didn't play in the title. There was no playoff. They didn't. Who was it? Because they, they played LSU, right? In, the in Auburn. Auburn. Seven, Auburn, they beat yeah. the Bowl. Who was the? Because Auburn played, had lost. They played LSU. And beat Auburn. LSU beat them the next year. Yeah. So if, if that was the Auburn Sugar that was no, Auburn in the Sugar Bowl or Peach Bowl? Alabama and Auburn had beat Bama, who won the title. That was Correct. the that was the yes. correlation. Yes, that was the double overtime to to Devontae Smith. I don't think that UCF team's beating either of those teams with Caleb Williams. Yeah, they would not get smoked, but they could beat them. But I, I would not pick them to beat them. Um, yeah, especially looking at the season ahead, I, th I think that that's our pretty much our list right there. Any others? Because the G5, the G5 argument would be then Tulane. But then is your Michael Pratt to Caleb Williams upgrade? What's oh here's one. And uh, maybe somebody said this. AM. Yeah, they're, I said they're not they're not G5, yeah. but like, you know, if if you give Jimbo a quarterback that can run everything he actually wants to run, physically they match up very well with everybody else. You know, AM right now is what? Five, six, seven, eight, maybe eight, it's Connor Wigman with Bobby Petrino. I mean, that's that's where I think they're enticing. We'll, we'll see how it we'll go by how it feels. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it by how it comes. What was that? I, <laughs> I actually wrote just, it down. It was so yeah, good. We'll play it by ear. We'll go see how it goes. Whatever. Was that, just, was that Jimbo or Bobby talking about the quarterbacks? Jimbo, oh, I don't Bobby, think see this. No, I didn't. Oh, oh, chippers. They're like, who will call the plays? And and uh, Jimbo was oh. like, well, we'll. We'll take it as it goes, or we'll, we'll see. And, yeah. then, and then he was like, take but I'm not, I'm not day, afraid to call. I'm, play. Not, well, I'm not afraid to let somebody else call the plays. Like, right after that, it was <laughs> oh my goodness. slightly defensive. I mean, he, had a, Jim he had a Fox protest too much. <laughs> but when I covered him as a beat writer, he had a five-year plan to turn over play calling. Literally. <laughs> yeah, here, I, I think I wrote about this. Let me find it's, this. It's a process, it's, okay? He had a, he had a five-year plan. <laughs> That continued to be a rolling five-year plan. It was like the Mark Stoops contract of five-year plans. My offensive coordinator needs five years to study my playbook so he can know how to Listen. call it. And that's why my quarterback doesn't know how to do the playbook because he only gets four years of eligibility. There we go. For all, all right. the talk about it, 
for all the talk about the the comments at the, if you saw the video, it did look like Petrino was running the drills, like the whole offense, and Jimbo was kind of taking a back seat watching. So I think that's a good sign. He could uh, also be he could also I it absolutely could be his ego, but it could also be some gamesmanship. Like, hey, let's keep everybody guessing, you know. Five year plan was from a press conference on November 29th. That was uh, remember that NC State game FSU lost where they had a really loaded team. It was at, at, in 2012, and they uh, like Mike Glennon beat them. And yeah, the fumble it, on like at the goal line. It, uh, no, no, that was uh, that was like oh nine was or, 10. or that was 8, 10. Yeah. So this, this is EJ Manuel uh, airmails Chris Thompson on, on the wide open screen, and uh, and then after that game, Jimbo said he had a um, five year plan to let somebody else call the place. In twenty twelve, just tremendous. Yeah. Which is eleven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, we mentioned it at the top of the show. There's a very interesting uh, New York Times op-ed from the Notre Dame athletic director discussing the future of college athletics and name, image, and likeness. And the five-star mailbag. Jake wants to know something similar. We'll tackle all things NIL and the future of big-time college athletics and more next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, a reminder that we are up as a finalist for the Sports Podcast Award. We are including the links in the episode description here on YouTube. We are including the links in the episode description on the audio side so that you can go and vote. Voting ends April 6th. We need you. It is your support that has gotten us all the way to being a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast category in the Sports Podcast Awards. We need you to go and vote. We thank you in advance. QR code on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Link in the description on YouTube and on the audio side. As always, uh, we, we don't get to this point without you being a part of the family as well. So thank you so much for your support. Let's push this across the finish line. All right, back to the five-star mailbag. This question comes from Jake. From a weekly listener, love the show. Truly a highlight every week. I'll keep my question short. I know NIL has been left up to the schools and the states, and honestly, it seems really out of control. I've seen some bipartisan talks about federal NIL laws, but no real action. Are you guys in support of federal laws for NIL? What would NIL laws even look like? Love the show, Jake. This op-ed from Swarbrick in the New York Times, was it in his drafts and he forgot <laughs> to send it? Like, Because it seems like a take that's about a year old, right? <laughs> or yeah. it's a take that's been going on for six or seven or 50 years. Like, it just seems like, and a lot of it's very much Captain Obvious. It's like it's I mean, pretty it's pretty, pretty rich coming from a, a school that has its own TV contract. Right, and from a guy from a guy that's made millions of bucks off unpaid college athletes, um, so a I don't think they're going to get a federal NIL bill passed. I, I talked to somebody about this the other day, and I think the optimism on this is unwarranted. Um, 
I think you have several several Republicans who will not vote for this because they don't feel like it's a federal issue. And you can have almost pretty good certainty that almost all the Democrats are not going to vote for Tommy Tuberville's bill because it basically is like, hey, let's treat the players like shit. So I don't think that they're going to get anything close to the current proposed version passed. Now, the things that they are trying to do with this, right, are prevent NIL from being used in recruiting, which basically is like, let's let's keep all the money that people want to give for ourselves through the booster clubs, which we can pay employees with. Speaking of employees, they want explicit acknowledgement that players are not employees, right? They want the antitrust exemption, and they also want players to prevent uh, or to be prevented from suing for retroactive NIL. Those are kind of the four main things. And then they want preemption, which preemption means federal law is the law of the land. All your state laws that conflict with this don't count. That's the general like five things that they're trying to put through. That's from what, not, I, what I've read. I, so Swarbrick wants, and he, he didn't say that this would specifically come from um, the federal legislation, but Swarbrick wants reporting on all NIL transactions. Uh, Jack Swarbrick wants. Wasn't, uh, that already, wasn't that supposed to be in originally? Wasn't that like in the original guidelines from like two years ago? It's I thought it was something we we're yeah, all going to know. Like, it was they, all going to be out front. These they, don't have to, they don't have to tell you what coaches are making, but they have to tell you every single deal that a kid signs? Come on. I Literally just, from a private university. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not enforceable. Like Swerver can want it till the cows come home, but it, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, he, he wants reporting on transactions. He wants to require there to be transactions, a.k.a. Swarbrick says it is the school's obligation to ensure that any transaction between an athlete and a booster is a transaction which the athlete contributes NIL value and the compensation reflects, quote, reasonable market value. I am not. Is that price fixing? Because yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's why they want the antitrust. Um, Congress. He wants the NCAA, NCAA to create policies, not guidelines, because that's right. Currently, there are policies, not guidelines, uh, guidelines, not policies. And he wants them to enforce. And then, like, he did that thing where he also rolled out a couple of um, things that he believes that the NCAA and college athletics should do that are, are probably not going to get a lot of pushback. He wants a, a national class miss policy that limits travel to avoid missing too many classes. Um, good. So, sounds good at, at heart, I guess. Uh, he wants a national medical trust fund for players who are injured playing college sports. Yeah, no one's going to say like no to that. There's just going to be someone says, okay, where's the money coming from? And then he wants to honor scholarship for athletes who wish to return and complete their degree. I feel like that happens a lot. That's a yeah. school choice. Like, Schools already do that. So I'm it 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 is um inter I'm glad bud that you were able to to bring in the expertise on the the legal side of this because I've never understood how it is of the interest of the United States Congress to create federal laws which will try to police the ongoing of college athletes being compensated particularly in the wake of the Austin case when you're dealing with a 9-0 decision by the Supreme Court, the High Court of the Land, in which some of the opinions from sitting Supreme Court justices uh, very much picked apart the amateurism model. Regulation for thee, not for me, is essentially what Swarbrick's article comes down to. Like, Notre Dame's a private university. He does not have, not have to report what he makes, right? But he wants all these athletes to report what they make? Mm -hmm. Doesn't from have to tell somebody you who's not connected to Notre Dame? Yeah, he no. Just, we, he just hired a new basketball coach yesterday. He does not have to tell you how much money he gave him to do so. Yeah, and so the the Democrats also have an NIL bill. Cory Booker and, and some other senators are, are involved with that one. I also think that's probably DOA. So I just, the sides are very far apart on, on what's being proposed. Um, and generally in the media, I think very recently too, like some people who are involved in the, in the NIL space were like, yeah, this is going to get passed. And I was like, for, who's voting for this? And then about a month later, the, the guy texted me back. I was like, oh, yeah, not, probably not happening, dude. So Do you think that there is enough momentum within the college sports industry for there to be changes to the way that you know, NIL is like the the process. Like if, if there are to be NCAA rules to be passed or if, you know, as, as we're spinning forward and looking at the, the future of college athletics, if there would be some kind of, you know, regulation that's coming or, or a way that 
the concerns of those who are freaking out are are somewhat lessened? I think it'll come through the courts and not through Congress by the courts to saying eventually that these guys are employees. And thus, like if you want to reduce NIL quite a bit and make it simply about marketing value and not about their actual value to the roster, make them employees, right? I think that the courts will probably force their hand. Like if I had to bet on it, I think that they'll be ruled employees long before we get federal NIL bailout legislation and, and, all, and all this. This is kind of a pipe dream. And it's really smart PR but for, for a couple of reasons. One, the NCAA now gets to be like, hey, Congress could like everybody loves blame Congress for not acting on stuff. The NCAA now gets to do that. Like I don't think the NCAA really believes they're going to get this thing passed. I'd be kind of surprised if internally they actually think it will get passed. And number two, a lot of these guys who are proposing this stuff are dudes who have made a bunch of money off this game. And I don't think they really care about the sport 10 or 15 years from now. If you're Swarbrick, you just turn 69 years old, get, get a couple more years of fat paychecks and then dip. Right? Like I, I think he's trying to, to make sure this model of revenue for him and his buddies continue for the next couple of years until he can like just dip. Mm. Do you think there's any, like idyllic i've liked the way you know that like just looking at it from the purest standpoint of oh you know it's, it's supposed to be a pure sport is there any i mean i know it sounds delusional but do you think there's any of that or do you think it really isn't protecting the cronies no. and protecting the money Schwarberg actually tells on himself here he goes this is amateurism. Like- oh the the thing about it being like a ridiculous um oh. uh he says these guys have always been getting paid like this. It just wasn't out in the public. We did it, we just did it under the table. Now now we call it nil. So he's not even pretending that they were amateurs behind the scenes. He just doesn't like the the image of it. it it's not even a an ideal idealist thing. It, it's a just PR. He speaks out against amateurism in the piece. He said, uh, here's from, uh, this is from my notes. I apologize that it's not the exact quote. I've got a couple in here. Uh, Swarbrick does think that NCAA should not stick to a pure amateurism model. Said the NCAA has wasted time and wasted energy defending amateurism. And he called it, quote, a ridiculous proposition. In this piece, he is wow. calling amateurism a ridiculous Wait. proposition, and this is from Swarbrick. Quote, no one ever said that the babysitter's experience would be better if we didn't pay him or her. I don't want them to be amateurs, but I also don't want them to be paid. Because uh, the NIL is best of both worlds for them. That's why I'm surprised they're fighting it and trying to put restrictions on it. Like they, That's the dirty little secret in all of this is that that was a pretty good compromise for them. But now that they've seen it's kind of, oh, it's a lot. And I do think they wonder what it means for their pay. If like if people figure out, oh, we should stop donating to the school and give it actually mm-hmm. the players, which we're seeing happen. I think that's what they're more worried about. I think that ridiculous proposition is actually a quote that's pulled from the Supreme Court opinion. It might be. I, I've I've heard that before. So it's e- it's either in somebody's somebody's brief or because um, the the one tone in Brett Kavanaugh when he put his decision out there. And the Alston was, I mean, good luck to the NCA forever not trying to pay him. Like, it's going to happen. Question, uh, follow-up question from the chat from David. Is the op-ed piece actually an admittance of having a subpar NIL program? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. I think maybe with some truth. Who knows? <laughs> Jack Swarbrick, mad that he's getting outbid out here in these streets. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> We need to allow them to get some money, yes. But we can't handle these prices. Let's bring the price down. Okay. He's uh, trying to pay like Aldi prices for. <laughs> shout out to Aldi. Not a sponsor, but he can be. <laughs> you can be. Just email Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, all right, this next question is from the five-star mailbag. It's from Ryan. Uh, he left a five-star review, and in the review, he said, I was looking through friend of the show Bill Connolly's most recent SP Plus projections and could not help but notice that he projects Florida State to have the number 26 offense in 2023, notably behind number 22, Florida. So is there any chance that the Graham Mertz-led Gators field a better offense than Jordan Travis and the Knowles in 2023. Um, Who had the numbers? 
Bill Connolly, uh, SP Bill plus. Connolly, <laughs> SP plus offense only. Clearly clueless, has no idea what he's talking about <laughs> because I I mean I it's possible, but if I'm looking at the quarterback situations and the overall talent situations on both of those offenses right now, those are preseason projections. I will guess that as the season goes along and there's data to actually put in there based on the season, Florida's offense will not be ahead of Florida State's for very long. I have seen a lot of Graham Mertz. He is he might be an upgrade. He, he might be an upgrade on what they had. I can give him that because at times he makes upgrade really over nice a top five pick. I'm just saying consistency wise, like he's not going to give you the ceiling, but the floor might not be as bad. But that ceiling is kind of important. And I do think that Graham Mertz is mostly average and. Yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, they were in on – obviously, the Rashada thing happened. I don't think they brought in Graham Mertz with the idea of him being our no-doubt starter in 2023. I thought it was more depth and competition more than anything. So, no, I, I don't see a world in which Florida's offense is better than Florida State's this year. I just – I don't. How does this – Bud, you're – you're good with the analytics. I love Bill Connolly. He's great with his SP+. How would you explain this happening? Is it a collection of four and five stars, like a deeper, a more talented on paper offense? Is that where you would explain it? I think it's part of it's probably conference adjustments, right? Like I, I know SP+, Plus thinks the ACC is is terrible. And I mean, I, I kind of do too. Um, you know, the SEC is obviously like really, really good. But I think that the conference adjustments that SP Plus uses are probably propping up Florida's offense there a little bit. And there's also sort of the trajectory, right? Like Florida's offense did not get better as the season went on last year. It actually kind of got worse. But SP Plus is looking at the full season numbers. Um, whereas FSU's offense seemed to get better and better throughout the year as they kind of played together and integrated some parts, right? Like they didn't score that many points against LSU. They, they really didn't score that many against NC State. It, if the question's asking any chance, sure, there's a chance. Right? Like the the, the cop-out answer here is is injury, right? Quarterback goes down. Would you rather have Mertz or FSU's backups? I'd rather have Mertz. Like he's a guy that had a lot of talent coming out, and he's much more proven than anybody on FSU's roster other than Jordan Travis, who I think is, is a really good college quarterback. Um, I think I like FSU's receivers slightly more than Florida's. Both have very good backs, uh, the other way, the other thing that would have to happen here is that Florida's offensive line is going to have to be a lot better than I think it is. I, I think that they lost a lot of important pieces there, both starters and depth. They also lost one of their, you know, one of their top reserves, Cam Waits, to to an Achilles. So I, I think his availability for this season is in doubt because that happened in what February, I think, if I recall with the, the timeline of us talking about that. So they took Damian George from Alabama, the right tackle who I think was going to get benched at Alabama. Right. And they also took Keontae Goodwin from Kentucky, who, uh, you know, I I understand why he's still a four star transfer rating, because I think his long term potential is still there. I think he is raw as hell. And I would be surprised if he plays well for them this season. So uh, personally, I, I would not give Florida a good chance if you know, reasonable health across the board for both teams of being better than the Knowles on offense this year. Um, is it impossible? No, like it's certainly possible. They just need certain guys to step up much earlier and they need to unlock the, like the four-star physical tools that Graham Mertz has and help him become a much better processor, um, quickly. We'll see. I, I kind of doubt it, but I guess it's the, the season totals from the one, two punch of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne were good. Yeah. That was a, like, you know, one of them. There are only X number of times that a pair of running backs have each had this many yards in the SEC, like your classic game notes, little nuggets. Uh, by the end of the season, Florida was really starting to be able to boast that they had one of the best, you know, versatile, multiple running back ground games in the SEC that had been putting up big numbers. Like So that would be my hunch as to one reason why this is checking out. The then counter to that is much like Bud said, the offensive line, which is losing two NFL draft picks and might not have ev everybody to fill those spots, then are you going to be able to get the same 
you know, ground production, I think would be my concern right there. So yeah. I'm going to say no. Ain't no cop-out answer. Gators ain't going to have a better offense than the Knowles. Come on. It's SEC I, propaganda. I don't think we take the question if he's like, will they? I think the, the interesting is like, is there a chance? The, the any chance, yeah. And look, Florida wants to play bully ball. It's clear with, with the, the size of the O-lineman. Damian George is probably, I don't know what, six six and a half, three fifty ish, and Goodwin is, is a similar measurement. And and the kid from Baylor uh, is also really big. But man, like 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 Chip said, they lose two guys in the NFL draft. They lose two offensive line transfers to USC, which is a better team than Florida is. They lose one of their best backups to Arkansas, and will probably be a starter for Arkansas. And then weights blows the Achilles. Like I, O line depth there for me is is definitely a concern entering the season for the Gators. I, I really don't trust the backups they have. All right, let's just uh, real quick. We'll stay here. Um, Chase from the chat, love the show. Bud brought me over from the Nolcast. Been a loyal listener for a year now. What are your personal handicaps on Jordan Travis winning the Heisman? Um, I definitely wouldn't bet Jordan Travis to win the Heisman at the current odds. Um. You know, I said on the show, I, I took some FSU 150 and 100 to one on on, uh, on Barstool when, when, when they hung that. So that was quality. But I mean, 10 to one is not great value, honestly. Like that's, he's a very popular pick. And I think the value this year is going to come from first time starters mm. because everybody else I think is priced appropriately. I mean, I mean I'm on, uh, on a site that doesn't sponsor us right now, but it's the one that I, I pulled up. So, uh, Caleb Williams plus 500, Jordan Travis plus 1,000, Drake May plus 1,200, you know, Bo Nix plus 1,400. I, I think that the public nature of those guys and, and how proven they are is is priced in at this point. So, I no, I, I don't think those are good bets to make, honestly. Um, you you kind of need to figure out the guys. And I, I like guys that are like 30 or 40 to 1, typically. I, I would say if Florida State lost LSU and he dropped – you know, what would you take him at 20 to one after a, you know, say he had an average game, one interception, you know, zero touchdowns, Florida State loses. He goes to 20 to one. Would you take him then? Or would you really want to wait and see if it went to 30 to one? Like he'd have to have three interceptions and looks like it's done and then get back in. Maybe, but I, yeah, it would depend. I, the thing is, what, what would he have to do down the stretch to, to get back in and, and actually win it, right? Win out, you know, win the ACC, yeah. beat Clemson. Tw- you and know, be like, awesome while doing it. Right, yeah, and be right. really, really awesome. I think the better the better option there is he plays his ass off against LSU, they lose, and then he goes to like 25 to 1. So at least they're like, hey, like it's, it's a, a great game in a losing effort if, you, if you're looking for a scenario to bet this. I, I would put I'd rather put money on Florida State to win the ACC or like Florida State to do something else. Heis, betting on an individual and Heisman is uh, it's a it's tricky, tricky game. Yeah, it's, if you Drew have confidence, Penn State. There's a like <laughs> I mean, there's certain guys who just won't win it. Like Quinshaw Judkins is is a fine story, and he's a you know he's a decent player. Ole Miss is not, like Ole Miss running back is not going to win the Heisman. Travion that, Henderson's that, that, not going to win. Right, from Ohio State, and like Blake Corum can be a finalist. I don't think Blake Corum's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Like Joe Milton, twenty, you know, eighteen to one. Uh, like little rich. I, I, I don't hate it, I but see it. You know, if, now if they hung a if they hung a Nussmeyer at like you know two th- like plus twenty thousand or something like that, that that would be interesting to me. You know, d- dudes who aren't even perceived to win the job coming out of camp. But you think they're the they're the better quarterback? I just haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen it hung yet. <laughs> sounds sounds stressful. No thanks. Pass. I, I got got to get back into my basic bag here in uh, in twenty twenty three. Got to got flew too close to the sun in twenty twenty two. That's how you finished two and twenty five over your last three weeks of locks. Coming up on the other side, looking ahead to twenty twenty three, things are going to look different in the American. So. The reshuffled uh, order of power. Who ends up winning that thing? And who of the current membership might be the next to leave? That and more. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, this question comes from the five-star mailbag. It comes from Houston, who says... What does the AAC look like with the exit of Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF? Winner predictions? Who's the next to leave? Thanks. Tulane's the easy pick to win. They just went knocked off USC in epic fashion. They are returning basically everybody except Spears. And, of course, your defensive coordinator and Chris Hampton and some key players on that side of the ball. But with Michael Pratt back, with a couple good wide receivers back, and, of course, you held on to Willie Fritz, I... I could entertain an SMU argument, but I will not be picking any of the new arrivals from Conference USA. I think it is a a one easy pick. May, maybe you want to line up with Rhett Lashley here and the Mustangs, uh, but that's that's kind of I think the first part of it. Yeah, I I, I think you're you're totally right on that. Um, man, I don't I don't even know. I, I guess SMU would be my second pick, but. Like UAB, Charlotte, I think ECU takes a huge step back. Memphis could, you know, Memphis could. I had Memphis, but man, it was a rough year last year. But they were, you know, they were right at the top of the conference not that long ago. Never, never great when uh, our big newsy offseason Memphis headline was we're not firing Ryan Silverfield. And they lost the tight end pre-scoring, and they lost uh, like the really intriguing D tackle to Florida. So they, they lost some of their their important guys. Now, Chip, it's I interesting. Like, uh, you... No, go ahead, Danny. Well, Glenn in the chat put in UTSA, and I might have said yes till I saw them in their bowl game. Did not look great against a better conference champion. Um, so I think it, I think eventually I love Trailer. I think he's got a great quarterback. I just think that's going to be a bigger jump. I mean, Conference USA is a big jump to the American. I agree with that. Uh, also, or well, it was a big jump to the old American, but most of your best teams in the old American are gone. So it's certainly a jump. I mean, I'm not going to try to argue that that it is not. But I mean, UTSA schedule. You got to play Houston, which is is a non-con game. You get what? A road games in gray on this? Okay, so you go to Temple, you host UAB, you go to FAU, you host ECU, you go to North Texas. That's not a huge trip. Um, you host Rice, you host USF, and you finish at Tulane. I mean, there's a chance you can come out of that with two losses. You get the right tiebreakers, you're, you're in the title game. Also, you have Frank Harris, but you're on your third offensive coordinator in as many years. That's true. Like it's, I root for UTSA to hit the ground running just because it would be so much fun. Like We have to pinch ourselves and re- remember the program's only, what, 30 years old? Right, exactly. Like just like was born out of nowhere. Shout out to Larry Coker. You know, like this is... This is very much still a nascent program and trailers do a fantastic coach to be able to be the face of it. But it's going to be tough going up. UCF is 30 years old too, aren't they? UCF started out of nowhere 30 years ago. I think they uh, did. Because it used to be like Florida Tech right? or Florida A&T. I just remember they were on our schedule and they had Dante Culpepper and they hit pretty hard. And I was like, these guys are pretty good. <laughs> 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 not, they're going to be good. And they were. Yeah, Culpe- Culpepper was a legitimate, uh, like prospect coming out. He just didn't have academics to get to get into a major school. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's do one more real see, quick. Did you Go see ahead. Anthony Richardson? Uh, body height, forty, vertical, everything next to Culpepper. No, they were almost identical. All of them. I never remember Culpepper hey. being that fast of a and that dynamic of a runner. 
they were almost identical, not like height, weight, everything. Like I, I played golf with Culpepper well in the men's league with, with Culpepper down in Fort Myers, I don't know, about a year ago. I, I kind of think AR just physically looks taller and leaner, but I mean, that's retired. Well, I hope Dante, so. Not, Culpepper's yeah. in his 40s. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more. This question comes from George. Uh, he sent it to Tom. Hi, Tom. My name is George, a lad from across the pond in London, and I've been listening to the pod for a while. I would leave a five-star review because I'm, uh, but unfortunately, I'm a listener on Spotify. That's okay. We love all listeners. Uh, why is there some emphasis in college football and the NFL on having a starting quarterback? If a team is fortunate enough to have two five-star recruits, why can't you use them both throughout the year against different defenses? Certainly, it would be a tactical. Uh, it would be a tactical advantage and disturb the opposition who are expecting a QB one. You can literally have one quarterback focusing all season on certain teams and the other on the rest. It might be more of a soccer mindset, but someone like Pep Coop, Sir Alex changes the lineup all the time to spending depending on the style of play. Rugby also often change their fly half, which is a quarterback equivalent, to suit certain teams. Hope the above makes sense. Cheers, George. Definitely makes sense. I get like it. I mean, so I was about to say Brian Kelly and Isaac beat me to it. <laughs> Brian Kelly had this thematic advantage. Unfortunately, he did it all within the same game. This is a little next level to be like against these defenses, we're using this quarterback, and against these defenses, we're using this quarterback. That would be notable, I think. First of all, you good luck keeping them both on your team. Like two five stars saying we're not going to play every day. Like. One of them's probably leaving, but on the rare case that you got two guys to agree to do it, maybe it was their freshman and they were competing and they were locked in, you know, season started. Um, for me, I, I, I get the question. I think it's a very intriguing question. I think as a former quarterback, you, you want to find yourself in a rhythm of playing. And I know it's different, you know, coming in mid game and saying, all right, I'm starting this game versus the next week. But even within weeks, there's sort of a rhythm to the season and you want to be, feel like you're improving every single week and you're seeing different options. And you also want continuity as an offense. Like if you're giving different schemes because of the quarterback skill set, then I think your offense is going to be a little clunky too, because maybe one week you're really centered, you know, focused on running the football or running the triple option or whatever you were doing with this different style of quarterback. And then the other quarterbacks asked to come in there and throw, and that impacts timing rhythm with the, both the pass game and the blocking fit. So I, I get, I totally understand what he's saying. And I know that it gets used in other sports. I do think quarterback is just such a unique position that, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. You know, like you've got to find somebody. I mean, Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, they were successful doing it, but it was that was more in game. You know, like we've seen two quarterbacks used in game, not like we're going to start one this week and one the next week. Although Harbaugh did that last year. Remember uh, <laughs> a little guy named, by the name of Lamar Jackson was in like a three quarterback system as a freshman um, with Reggie Bonifon, who went on to be a wide receiver slash running back, and Evan Bolin. Kyle Ooh, good Bowen, pull. Good pull. Like wow. That. Yeah, Lamar came out and won the job outright in the Music City Bowl with a win over Texas A&M, came back as a sophomore, was an absolute stud. But, like, yeah, we've seen it, but it often seems to be because a coach is not confident enough that one quarterback is going to be able to do all of the things. And if you have one quarterback who can do all of the things, then you would like that one quarterback. And, it, again, I haven't played here, but to Danny's point, a wide receiver wants to know what that ball feels like. You know, wants to know exactly where it's going to be placed, wants to be able to have that chemistry going on with the person who's throwing the passes. So I I like it as a specialized package type situation. You know, like in third and goal, we might bring out this other guy because it stresses a defense and gives us another option. Or, you know, for a drive to, to create some, you know, disadvantage. But as it's being suggested, as I read it, I don't know if I would have quarterback one, Go play four quarters, and then you're sitting for the next game just because the other defense is doing something different. Like a year or two ago on the show, we, we did propose like if you're going to try to run the quarterback a ton at the NFL level, it makes sense to draft a couple of them on rookie deals because the offense you're going to run is is similar enough, but you need to be prepared to chew through them kind of like you do running backs, right? But I, the college question, it, 
it's really interesting. I just, it's so hard to get one good quarterback, man, much less two. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's tough. Um, hey, Michael Campbell in the chat, it, have we dogged Notre Dame's receivers and skill talent for this upcoming year? I don't, when, I, don't, I don't recall doing that. I, I I thought we said they weren't any good last year. I didn't. I didn't. He just he's posting the same question over and over again, which usually we don't acknowledge. But I I, I don't know, man. Like I I think you're going to be much better. Well, I I've got uh, so much more uh, to to say about the that the university's athletic director and his uh, and, and did you see the artwork that they put with that article too? If you want me to take this seriously as an op-ed, don't have a big cartoon smiley football sitting at a desk. Really, I am just, it, it didn't, anyway. We will be back on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. So make sure that you subscribe, come and join us live for that. Thanks to all of your questions. Don't worry if we didn't get to it. We have gotten it written off to the side. We've got it in the big old bag of mail for a future mailbag episode. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. See you, Chip. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!